I had to totally redefine self-care as a caregiver when I got to that near-death point. And my first act of self-care was taking a blood pressure pill and texting a friend to say I took it. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a frequent presenter at caregiver conference and workshops with a specialty in helping caregivers deal with dementia behaviors. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no. Never, never, ever have I <laughs> forgotten the wine. And I appreciate it. <laughs> so often caregivers suffer from isolation and loneliness. And I know you have felt the isolation and loneliness when we were taking care of my dad. Absolutely. Um, part of that reasoning is the person that you're caring for needs somebody with them 24-7. And, you know, uh, I left my job. Most of my social interaction was with coworkers and occasional visit from family, and all of that drops off. And also people start, you know, inviting you to functions and you can't go, and eventually they stop. So you become more and more... Um, isolated. And um, it's one of the many difficulties that, that come with, with caregiving. And that brings us to today's guest. And her caregiving started when her mother had a life-changing stroke, and she went from career woman to caregiver. She is co-founder and president of Loving Them Forward, whose mission is to improve the well-being of caregivers in the Vancouver, Washington community by providing free support, education, and resources while they care for seniors and loved ones. We are pleased to welcome Christina Keys. Welcome, Christina. Hi, you guys. How are you today? Awesome. Yeah, and especially now that we have an opportunity to talk to you. I'm super excited to be here today. Give us a little background about your mom and, and how your caregiving years came about. All right. Well, uh, in 2013... My mom uh, was doing great. She had recently retired as a manufacturing engineer in the aerospace industry. Um, I was had a great career in tech, had been working on my career for 20 years and very involved in you know life. And I got a call at 3.42 p.m. that my mother had had a stroke on March 16th of 2013. And when I drove to the hospital, they told me that she only had 1% chance to live. She was on life support. She bled out for 12 days. She was in the ICU for 30 days in the hospital for six, about six months. She was paralyzed from the neck down mm -hmm. and she had to learn how to talk again. Uh, she did get feeling back on her left side, but today... She um, is wheelchair bound and uh, we have her set up in her home and we have care for her and I'm her primary caregiver and manage all of her affairs. So yeah, it was, it was a difficult change and, and really what was crazy about it was I didn't drive to that hospital thinking I'm going to be a caregiver, you know, and I don't even know when I realized I became a caregiver. It was just all of a sudden one day. I, I realized this was my life. 
you right. know, and it was, um, it was replacing everything that I knew in life. It was replacing my job. It was replacing my um, friendships. It was replacing my recreational activities, my financial goals. It was replacing everything in my life. And I don't know when, what, when that happened, but all of a sudden there I was. Absolutely. When, when Mike's mom passed away and uh, we brought his dad into our home, we didn't know we were, we were becoming caregivers. We thought we were uh, providing a comfortable home for Mike's elderly dad. Uh, we both had jobs. We both had careers. He was physically healthy. He seemed to be mentally with it. We had no idea. And especially when you're dealing with a family member, you don't identify as a caregiver. You identify as a spouse or, you know, a child, um, a, a family member, and we step up and we take care of them and we don't see ourselves in, in a position, especially when it's going to be something like what you did uh, and what we did, it goes on for years. Right. And they literally didn't expect her to get out of that ICU. Um, they didn't, I mean, they, 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 they literally said, your mother has 1% chance to live. And um, every time the doctors came in or the neurologists or the specialists, I thought, is this the time they're going to, you know, tell me that it's time to disconnect her from life support. And um, yeah, it was, it was very confusing. And I think as family members and friends, when we sign up to help people, we're, especially when we're thrown in, it just like automatically happens. We don't really know what we're signing up for. You know, and I always joke around, like, if there is a book that was, you know, what to expect when you're expecting to be a caregiver, like nobody would read it before it actually happened, you know, <laughs> and then by mm -hmm. the, then by the time right. they're in the thick of caregiving, like they're so wrapped up in trying to keep this person alive, that they're not going to pick that up because they think every minute is life and death. And that's how we live our life. And it's really, for me, what happened was it wasn't until... I wound up four years in having to leave my job, leave my career, not just my job. And um, I went to that last doctor's appointment because it had been a long time since I'd been to a doctor's appointment for myself. Everything became about my mother, like everything. Mm -hmm. And um, when I went to that last doctor's appointment, I hadn't even, I remember like, I know I was looking in the mirror to like shower occasionally everything, but I hadn't even like noticed myself. And when I went to the doctors, they said, you know, you've gained a hundred pounds. Um, you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure, your body is literally shutting down. And there was a bunch of other complications that had happened with me. And they said, um, you literally will be lucky to live six months. We didn't even expect you to live that long in, unless oh, wow. something changes. And, um, you know, I kind of had this moment of, all right, I got to make a choice here. Am I going to start planning for who's going to take care of my mother after I pass, or am I going to try to live and take care of her? And frankly, like the caregiving had become so hard trying to figure out how to do it myself, try to figure out how to, you know, manage the resources, how to manage the financial difficulties that I was not prepared for. Um, that it's not like I was suicidal, but it's like, I, I figured there was no other way out of it. So if I was going to die, that was, you know, that was where I was going. But then I realized like, I, I, can't let that happen to me. You know, I have to take care of me and I have to take care of my mom. And it's interesting. Everybody talks about self-care as a caregiver. And I don't know about you, but frankly, when somebody mentioned the word self-care, 
you know, I equated it to the self-care when I had a job, you know, getting mani-pedis, you know, going on vacation. (laughs) And so when somebody mentioned self-care, like my instant reaction was, you know, first of all, I'd like to like smack them. And then secondly, like, you don't even understand. I have no money or time for that. And so I had to totally redefine self-care as a caregiver when I got to that near death point. And my first act of self-care was taking a blood pressure pill and texting a friend to say I took it. And that 30 second action, I built up from there. And now today, occasionally I can go away for the weekend. Occasionally I can sleep. You know, I can do things of luxury, like go to the grocery store. Right. You know, (laughs) I actually, I actually wrote uh, an article for uh, newspapers that stop telling caregivers to take care of themselves um, because it's putting another task on their shoulders when they've already got so much on their that they have to do every day. Uh, And the only time you can tell a caregiver to to do self care is if you step up and take something off of their shoulders. Right. Um, and self-care for uh, somebody caring for somebody that needs in so much need, like your mom and people with, with dementia, it means being able to take a shower without worrying about what that person is doing. It means being able to go to the bathroom <laughs> undisturbed. Correct. It means taking a couple of minutes to eat or to cry or to pray. <laughs> right. And I right. love I love that your first act of caregiving was taking that that blood pressure pill and telling somebody that you did it because to caregivers everywhere that they're, they're going to say exactly and right. and I do I feel just as you do. I get so mad when I see these lists of, you know, Go Take to a the bath, movies. you know, read a book. It's like, what? We don't have time <laughs> for that. Mm-hmm. Or lay in the so, hammock. You know, I had right. one person that that frequently uses that. Go go spend some time in the hammock. And I'm like, what world do you live in? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I, I mean, I, yeah, and it's crazy because let's be honest, I don't know about for you, I'm pretty sure it might might have been the same. But even if I would have had time to go and the finances to get a mani pedi, literally, what would have been happening during that time? Um, exactly. What is my head would have been going like, did I do this? Did I do that? What do I who do I got to call? What doctor's appointments do I have to make? All of this stuff, like there's no relaxing in it. You know, at that, those first um, few years of caregiving, I think I was logging maybe five to 10 hours of sleep a week. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mom did sleep at night, but, uh, the anxiety of, is she going to live? Is she going to die? I mean, I remember like she would wake up at 10 30 in the morning when the caregivers got there and I would have anxiety for like the first, like from nine 30 to 10 30 every day. It's like, this going to be the day that somebody walks in and finds my mom dead. So I, you know what I mean? Is this going to be the day? And so, it um, is hard for caregivers to relax until I think you really give yourself permission to redefine that self-care. You know, self-care can be literally taking a deep breath when you go out to check the mail. I, I had an emergency situation the other night where I had to drive over to my mom's house, you know, in an emergency situation. And my self-care was um, 
drinking, reminding myself to drink water along the way so I could get some blood flowing properly, right? And also before I walked into that door, um, there was no long meditation and letting it go. Right before I walked in the door, I grabbed the handle and I said, listen, you know, God, uh, you're going to have to take care of this one because I don't know what to do. And boom, I walked in. That was my self-care, you know, and that was all I could manage. Thank you so much for saying all this. I know so many of our listeners are going, sing it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, and I think that, um, I think that our voices as caregivers of people who walk through that experience is so um, important for us to share, like how we started to redefine self-care, you know, and, and um because I don't think people, unless they've walked through being a caregiver, understand that at all. And, and you know, a great example is I'm uh, working with a therapist on anticipatory grief, which I mm-hmm. didn't even know what anticipatory grief was until about six years into caring for my mother. And um, sometimes I'll say things to her about like self-care or like, you know, having pent up anger or any of these things. And she, like, she says, well, I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like, like I mentioned to her, like the pent up anger and she's like, well, why would you have pent up anger? And I said, well, cause I'm a caregiver. And she says, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm like, do you know how many times I've been to the hospital and they've just discarded my mother or not listened to the fact that I've been, she's been my caregiver and I've had to act appropriate. I mean, do you know how many times that I've had weird caregivers, you know, do things that were inappropriate or, or whatever, you know, we can't, we're so busy managing these crises and trying to keep this person alive that there's just so many emotions we have to stuff down. So many emotions and everything. And and it's interesting that you say that because a lot of times the person that you're caring for doesn't understand and they're fighting you every step of the way where you're trying to pr- do what's best for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, my, my mother, like, you know, she doesn't, she won't eat properly, you know, she wants to eat sugar all the time. And so we tried to have doctors tell her and me tell her, well, let's do a protein shake in the middle of the day or, hey, mom, it's important to take your pills before noon. And, you know, hey, maybe you should have a caregiver at this time. So it's easier on your body. And they, the more that, especially, I don't know what it's like with a partner because I'm taking care of my mom as a, as a daughter of my mother. She does not like that role reversal. She does not like, you know, me acting like the mom, you know? And so, yeah, they definitely, I think half of my caregiving responsibilities are just cleaning up what my mom has like, you know, deranged for the whole like program to make it go smoothly. You know, half of it is just, rehiring a caregiver or half of it is finding a different way to make the shake or, you know, it's all about just fixing what she has made a choice to uh, change because she's trying to claim her independence. And I respect that. I get it. Her life is different now. My mother, the day before she had a stroke, she was only 62 years old and she was very healthy. Mm -hmm. She was literally laying hardwood floor in her house. She had just redone all the hardwood flooring in her house. She had just gone to the movies with her friend. I remember that morning we were talking and she was telling me about this great time she had with her friend and her house and all this. And by, and she was supposed to call me back at, you know, later that afternoon. And I got a call from the hospital instead. So I understand 
when they do those things because they're trying to, everything has been taken away from them. Their independence, their ability to go where they want to go, see who they want to see, talk to or not talk to who they want to talk to. And, and also, you know, the part of it that's difficult for them is they start to lose their memory. They start to lose their thinking processes and, and they're trying to fight that. They don't want that to happen. It's almost like for my mom, she's had multiple conversations with me when she's doing well, talking about how it's really hard for her, especially being somebody who was a manufacturing engineer, really good with numbers, really you know tech savvy, and she can't even figure out how to put in an order for Walmart groceries right now. So I, I get it. I have compassion for it but we also have to learn how to manage it as caregivers, right? And that's a struggle. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I'd like to backtrack just a little bit where you said, you know, unless you've lived it, you really don't understand it in, in dealing with a counselor who has those kind of questions for you. Um, and I just want to mention that part of what I do, um, it's Carducci Caregiving Consulting, and trained to do either phone consultations or Zoom consultations with people who are in the caregiving world who need to be able to vent with somebody who understands and to be able to work with them to find solutions or tips on how to manage what's going on in their personal situation. And sometimes I spend you know, I start off with them on a monthly basis or on, on an as-needed basis, and then they move into, you know, twice a month or once a month or even weekly um, as things progress. Because we can we can talk to people all day long, but if they haven't lived it, they really, they, they don't get it. And it, I think it's good to let people know that there are people who have lived it who are now supporting people who are doing what they're doing. And... Uh, Relating to what your mom lost, you know, Mike's dad was extremely strong and he always, he loved to walk. He would go out and he would walk for 20, 30 minutes, three times a day. And he loved to eat. I mean, he was Italian. The one thing he loved was food more than anything. <laughs> and with his uh, Lewy body dementia, which has a Parkinson's component, he couldn't swallow anymore. So his food had to be pureed and his liquids thickened and he couldn't walk anymore. So he was angry and he was frustrated. And to some degree, he saw us as preventing him from being able to do the things that he, he always wanted to do. I understand that completely. And I, and I really like what you're saying about like the uh, person that you're working with being somebody who's walked through. I think that is so valuable. I think that is so valuable. I mean, I think that's helpful with anybody, you know, whether it be caregiving situation, uh, recovering from an addiction situation, it's so valuable to be working with somebody who understands, who has actually been in, you know, a hospital situation where nobody's listening in the staff. They've been in a situation where, um, you know, this person they're giving up their life for uh, is being incredibly mean to them. And if they haven't walked through that, the advice they give you, you really have to pick and choose what you can, (laughs) 
And you know what I mean? You take yeah. what you want, you leave the rest behind, you know? And, you know, the whole thing about them being angry, my mom still has some times where she's very lucid. And we had a very strange conversation one day because honestly, she'll say to me, I'm so grateful for you. You are my world. You, you know, I wouldn't be able to do any of this without you. And then the next day, She's telling me, I don't do enough. I'm horrible. She's, you know, mm -hmm. kicking me out of her house. And uh, we had this conversation during one of her times where she was lucid. And she said, you know, Tina, because she calls me Tina. She said, um, when I am in a lot of pain or I am really sick or I feel very defeated, I get really angry and I don't know where to put that energy. And I know that I can't take it out on anybody else because they'll leave. And I know you're the only person who won't leave. And so I'm mean to you because I need to have a way to get that out. You know, I can't go for a drive. I can't like, you know, make my own food to overeat. I can't do retail therapy. I can't do any of this stuff. And, and that needs to come out. So I apologize that it comes out on you, you know, and um, I'm grateful for that conversation. It was really hard to hear. Yeah, you know, but, but it's how honest that of conversation. Her. Yeah, it was it was very honest. Can you tell us about loving them forward? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what happened with loving them forward? So, I got out of the tech industry. I really thought I was just going to take a leave of absence, and um, uh, I realized. Um, well, what happened was my mom was going to die. Everybody was gathered around her bed, the hospital staff, family members, and stuff, and. Um, and the doctor said, no, she's not going to make it. My mom said, hold my hand while I pass. And we both fell asleep. And then she wakes up and says, I'm not done. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And uh, so I had to find something that would work around caregiving. And so I found, um, I got into the retirement and senior industry. And I actually worked for a company called Caring Transitions. My whole job was to, to make all of these uh, referral partner relationships grow. And when I would do that, yes, I was wearing my business hat, but I was also wearing my caregiver hat. And I kept finding all of these resources in town that I had no idea were out there. They were not on the list the hospital or doctors gave me. And they were things that would have made mine and my mom's life like much easier. And so I started building these relationships. I started bringing in experts to do talks things about like downsizing and before, during, and after the funeral, anticipatory grief, self-care for caregivers. I started bringing in all these local community experts. We were at one point doing four to six classes, free classes for caregivers a month. And then after about a year of doing that, I asked somebody, you know, is there a senior fair here? They said there used to be. And I said, well, there is now but it's a senior and family caregiver resource fair. And we created an annual resource fair with all the resources for caregivers, also with educational topics for caregivers. And it just grew so fast. And it wasn't because anything to do with me, it was just because of the need, right? And so we had to put something together and we um, came up with loving them forward. And I think the first meeting there is about 20 or 30 people there with businesses, organizations, and individuals in the community and nonprofits um, that supported caregivers and seniors. And within two meetings, we had to move the location because it grew so fast. And uh, now today we're up to a hundred different businesses, everything from, you know, mobile dog grooming all the way up to legal services, in-home care, everything you could possibly need to take care of that. We also have a hotline 
We do a lot of really great events. Um, we do a caring for the caregiver event where we just take all day and pamper them. Last event we had, we had like 300 caregivers there. And we also do um, a caregiver Christmas, um, which basically I think as you guys know, uh, finances become tough for caregivers and mm -hmm. then staffing becomes tough when on holidays and things like that. And so I, um, November of last year, I was laying in bed having a caregiver headache. I think you guys know what that is, right? You know, <laughs> caregiver migraine, right? And um, and uh, I thought, man, Christmas is going to suck. It's going to be, you know, we have no money. I'm going to have to do damage control with mom and try to act happy. Well, I'm miserable myself. And like, this just isn't the story of Christina Keys. This is the story of caregivers everywhere. And so I talked to the board and I said, let's do this thing and give away gifts to all these caregivers. And they said, what about COVID? And I'm like, well, we'll make it a drive-through event. And we were able to give away 400 um, gifts last year to caregivers. And a lot of the caregivers who came through said, you know, this is the only gift that I'm going to be getting this year. They also said that I've been caregiver for five, 10, 15 years, and nobody's ever done anything like this for us before. This year we are doing, um, 1500 gifts to caregivers in this town and it's just going to be amazing and you have that you have that coming up on december 7th correct yes december 7th yeah we're and how we do it because loving them forward is a is a small nonprofit, right we're a mighty nonprofit, but we're, we're small so we don't have a lot of funds so we have um companies and individuals and organizations um sponsor and then we also do a lot of like we've got an amazon wish list we've got a gift card drive so everyday individuals like we had somebody from california the other day send us a bunch of gifts that they ordered off of amazon wish list for us and so it really is a collective of people who care and appreciate uh, the caregivers who are caring for our seniors and family members with special needs in the community. Now, if somebody wanted to take a look at that um, uh, wish list, how would they go about doing that? If any of our listeners wanted to do that. So the easiest way to get most your updates for uh, Loving Them Forward, of course, we have a website, lovingthemforward.org. Right. But if you go to our Facebook page, it has the Amazon wish list. It has the information if you want to send one gift card for the gift card drive. It has the information on how to donate. Also LinkedIn as well, Instagram. You go to any of those social media platforms and go to Loving Them Forward and you're going to see the Amazon wish list and also the gift card drive information and a way to donate if you don't want to shop. And are you collecting for this throughout the year? So, because once once uh, your segment is up on the air, it's going to stay on the air. So somebody might come to that and listen to that maybe in February or March and think, okay, for next year, I want to. So do you collect things throughout the year or is there a certain period of time where you collect this? We will take them anytime. And um, if you're ordering off the Amazon wish list, that is up year round. And we know that it's a gift for the caregiver Christmas and that's saved. And if you're donating money, let's say next February, you come across this podcast and you want to donate, you know, five, 10, 20, a hundred dollars to caregiver Christmas. There's a place where you can put a note in there that says for caregiver Christmas. And we use every dollar that is put into that towards gifts. We have a separate account for that and everything. So we're very 
We're very diligent about making sure we spend as much money as we can on great gifts for these caregivers. Because like I said, a lot of times it's the only gift they'll get. And the only time somebody says thank you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, uh, my head's spinning. Yet again, (laughs) every episode, (laughs) my head spins. Oh, there is so much (laughs) information. You know, and hearing you talk about what you did, you know, from the ground up, getting these organizations together and their support together. Again, that's also information that's going out to all our listeners. And that gives them um, a stepping stone to start doing that in their own communities. So everything you've said today, everything that you've shared today is is going to be valuable probably to more people than than you you will realize. Um, so you are doing amazing work. It was not it was not easy starting a nonprofit from the ground up, and funding is always really hard um, from the ground up as well. And I was very fortunate in the fact that a company called Caregiving dot com had been following Loving Them Forward and seeing what we had done, and they stepped up and said, hey, Christina, would you like to come on board with us? Did the same thing you're doing for Loving Them Forward, but across the U.S. in every single state, in at least four cities in every single state, and um, help get caregivers get involved in their community? And I said, uh, yes, please. And so I'm very excited about that because it's we're going to be able to duplicate exactly what happened with Loving Them Forward but there's funding that takes care of it. We won't have to run against the struggles that Loving Them Forward does. So that's very wonderful. excited about that. Yeah. So you're not only Loving Them Forward, you're paying it forward. And so is caregiving.com. Yeah. And, and I, what I love about it too is that uh, my biggest job that I'm going to be doing is really empowering other caregivers on how to get connected in their community. And my the scope of my whole care journey changed once I got involved in bringing those community partners together. Um, It it was just a totally different, like mine and my mother's life would have been completely different if Loving Them Forward would have been in existence at the beginning of our care journey. Absolutely. Wow. So, Christina, um, thank you so much. You've been a wealth of information. You've been an absolute joy to have on the show. Can't thank you enough for our listeners. So grateful to be a guest today. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Well, one of my takeaways of this is one person can touch so many people. And by reaching out to support and searching for support in your community that's not necessarily listed on the typical websites, you can find a lot more help out there than you realized. And pulling them together um, just creates more and more opportunities for care. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm in awe of what Christina has done. Right. What struck me is the theme that we hear over and over and over. I never thought of being a caregiver, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> here I am, world. And also that they provide four to six free, free classes a month. That's amazing. And one thing that she mentioned, um, you know, if somebody writes, wrote a book, what to expect when you're becoming a caregiver, nobody would read it. Um, And that's part of my outreach, which is prepare to care. Right. What every adult needs to know about caregiving, Alzheimer's, dementia before it strikes home. Um, And we need to get that message out there more and more because every single day, 
more and more people are becoming caregivers and walking into it not knowing what they're getting into. Um, and that's why we're here with Roger That and Christina and our other guests. You can find more information about Christina on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.